Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Chris Bargis, mortgage broker at Mortgage Edge. Chris joins us to talk about using social media to grow your business and brand. Plus, Chris talks us through his technical ability to find the solutions and communicate using the numbers and how this strategic approach helps both his clients and lender partners. Hey, Broker Nation. This is I Love Alt Mortgages. I'm your host, Brennan Trenuth, and today I'm sitting down with one of our broker partners, Chris Bargis, mortgage agent with Mortgage Edge. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks a lot for having me, Brennan. Obviously, we know each other, but the team has heard a lot about you from various other employees at home trust i won't name names but it is all good (laughs) stuff that we have heard so we're uh, excited to talk to you today what we like to do is just you know learn a little bit more about the guest if you could kind of maybe walk us through you know what your journey has been getting into the mortgage industry and then once you've joined the industry you know to this point what does that look like for you yeah for sure when i first started in the business i mean my first job was actually at home trust i know a number of people that are still there today as you mentioned hopefully Good things, obviously, that have been shared. I started out actually in the renewals department, which is inside sales, as you guys know. And that's where I got my foot in the door and started developing an interest in the mortgage business. I can't say that it first sparked my interest in being a broker. Really where it all began was it developed kind of a keen curiosity for me to understand how the money markets work. So while I was there, I would often spend a lot of time away from my cubicle, you know, making friends in different departments. I'd walk over to funding, I'd go to underwriting. There was even a point where I was talking to, you know, people in securitization and treasury, which everyone thought was kind of weird. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I just, I had this kind of insatiable thirst for understanding how the financial system, especially within the mortgage industry, kind of functioned. And it was around after my first year with Home Trust that, I took some time away to study for my CFA, which I didn't finish, but I ended up passing level one. So that's something, I guess. But I also began underwriting around that time at the central desk at Mortgage Edge. And when I was there, it kind of felt like being at the center of the universe. You know, when you have 100 plus agents all sending different types of deals in, you get exposure to a wide array of transaction types. So you know, where most will focus on residential. I was doing residential, commercial, construction, all within kind of my first year of underwriting. So it was a lot to take in, right? But I'm thankful for that because it allowed me to learn a lot in a very, very short span of time. I crammed a lot of knowledge within a couple of years. And eventually I decided to parlay that as well as the technical skills that I picked up into a career in brokering. And the rest, as they say, I guess is history. I've never looked back since. I love what I do. Well, that's a great story. And I'm really, really happy that, you know, you started your career at a home trust. You had that, you know, eagerness within you to, you know, talk to different departments and start learning different facets of the business. And then obviously, you know, you took some time away, but then, you know, you always come back into the industry, right? So that's a really great story there. I know that you do work with your parents and your siblings at Mortgage Edge. So what's that like working so closely with your family? I love it, honestly. I really do. I know some people tend to butt heads (laughs) with family members when you're in close quarters all the time, but our workplace culture and atmosphere really is like that of a family. And it's not limited to my parents and my siblings. It extends to the other agents that are part of our office as well, right? Like if you were to walk into the door, 
it's me, my brothers, my cousin, my parents. You wouldn't really know that we have, you know, 106 plus agents, I believe now, and we're one of the largest independents around the country. It has that small family-like feel, and that's what we want. We want to create that vibe at Mortgage Edge and have that warmth when you walk into the door. And there's a strong sense of camaraderie among us because of that, right? You know, we exchange ideas about the industry, best practices, underwriting, business processes, just to keep each other on our toes and at the top of our game. And just honestly, to become a little bit better each day to service our clients and working with our lender partners and understanding what's important to them, right? Yeah, that's fantastic to hear too. And I also feel that same way about you know, home trust as well. It is kind of like a big family. And I know that there's a lot of family members within home that have multiple siblings working within the company as well. And actually, as a matter of fact, at one point in time, both my brother and sister were working at home trust at the same time as me. So I can uh, kind of relate to how that feels. Again, having it become one big family affair, it makes you look forward to coming into work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, obviously I do miss having them there, but they're on to different ventures now. So what of their successes and challenges have you been able to kind of learn from? You kind of just mentioned that you guys bounce ideas and stuff off each other, but you know, is there anything specific that you can think of? I would say that I learned a lot of the basic principles, the do's and don'ts, honestly, of brokering. It's wonderful to learn from your own mistakes, but I think it's even better when you can learn from other people's mistakes so that you don't make them yourself. But I can say that just generally speaking, it's tough to provide some anecdotal examples just because there are so many, but I would say that I learned really how the transaction process works from start to finish, where a lot of the pitfalls are when you're handling a deal, things you have to be careful of when you're managing your time, the client's expectations, and also the lender's expectations. You know, if there's one thing actually that I can pick on is that it's important to sort of understand the metrics of success that your lender partners use to evaluate your performance as a broker and honestly your services to your clients and how well you're doing, right? It's not just about your clients. Your clients are important, but your lender partners are equally as important. I think that's the one, I guess, greatest asset and tip that I picked up and it shows them how I conduct my business. I'm um, just flipping into now more so about, you know, growing your business since you've been in the industry as an agent moving from underwriting and to the agent role. So how did you build your clientele or, you know, attract quality leads when you first started out? I would say that when you're starting out, I mean, I don't know that all the leads were quality. Maybe I was also lucky as well. I had some good people in my network uh, sure. that were able to, you know, send me some business, whether it was their own or referring family and friends. But really, I did what anyone with no client database would think to do. You know, I went on Facebook, I went on Instagram, I went through my phone contact book. I reached out to everyone that I knew just to let them know that I was in the business. And honestly, it was indiscriminate. I didn't care if it was someone that, you know, I didn't really know all that well or someone that I knew really well. I would just let people know that I was here, that this is what I did for a living. And if you or anyone you know are looking to buy a property, refinance, renew a mortgage, anything, come to me. And that was really, I think, what helped me get my start. Just I really learned what it meant to grind it out and just tap your database and reach out to people. Like there's a considerable amount of cold and warm calling and just taking that time every day to reach out and touch people, right? That was how it all began for me. For sure. So, you know, you saw an opportunity there where you're starting out, you're not really sure, you know, how to get all these people in. You, you know, throw yourself to social media to see if you can kind of attract some people in that sort of thing. So what are your favorite platforms right now that, you know, you feel does the best at promoting you and your business? 
For me, it's definitely Instagram. I would say that is where I've built the core of my content. I've started using LinkedIn now a little bit more. I think LinkedIn is a great resource for professional referral partners if that's what you're looking to build within your business. I've heard a lot of folks are using TikTok. I mean, you obviously see it, you know, when you're online. I haven't really taken to that quite as much. I'm really just a big fan of Instagram because since it's owned by Facebook, I mean, they're constantly spending time on refining the app and introducing different features to it. So I think it's safe to say that we've gone beyond the point of, you know, a fad. I think that's actually here to stay. What's also really cool about Instagram, and this is probably stating the obvious, but it almost acts like a miniature website, right? I mean, people right. can you can add your contact details on there. You can uh, add link trees. You can create splash pages or landing pages for other content. You can actually turn that into kind of a little focal point where, yes, number one, you're putting out your content, but also where people can reach out to you to conduct business and actually fill out an application. So that's my favorite platform, I would say. Okay, awesome. And have you had any feedback from any of your clients or referral partners about how, you know, your social media marketing efforts played a role in their decision to choose you? I would say definitely more with referral partners. I think that having a page that has, you know, content and informational tidbits, the feedback I've got is that it just shows that I'm passionate about what it is that I do, but also that I kind of know what I'm talking about when they see a lot of the different pieces of information out there, again, whether you're refinancing, you're buying rental property, you're buying your first home, different mechanics that work from an underwriting perspective. That's actually the greatest source of my content I do want to make mention of is, you know, I think about challenges and things that I've gone through in the process of getting a deal done. And I just kind of throw it out there, right? And referral partners, you know, have a really rudimentary understanding of how the back end of the mortgage process works. I'm, of course, referring to, you know, like real estate agents or financial advisors, right? Over the course of time, they kind of build up a high level sort of understanding. I open the door to kind of our side of the business and help people understand how the process works from start to finish, getting your mortgage funded, you know, all the different elements that go into that. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes. People really like that. And it just kind of, it's almost a mode of transparency. It's like, I'm here to educate consumers. And that's, again, one of the core value adds behind my business model. It's just information and putting that information into people's hands goes a really long way. Yeah, that's awesome. So I would say like, you know, what's a tip that you would tell a young professional, but I'm going to open it up to, you know, what's one tip that you would tell any agent or broker within this industry thinking about social media? Because I know that you know, a good portion of them do use social media. There's also a good portion that don't use social media. So do you have any sort of tips on, you know, just getting started or, you know, how to keep it rolling? Yeah, honestly, if I were to sum it up in one sentence, stop thinking and just start, <laughs> you know, do yeah. something. Because I'm the type of person where when I first started getting into filming videos, I was obsessed with you know, making it perfect or, or refilming if I didn't quite, you know, get the take that I wanted. I'm not the best with editing, like full disclosure. I've worked with content specialists in the past that, you know, helped pretty up my videos. I just, I curate it all, but I was so obsessed with making them perfect that it actually, you know, it took quite a bit of time for me to just to get started and make my first one until I decided to say, you know what, screw it. I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to keep filming. And eventually, you know, you start getting a reaction from people. People start following your stuff. So that's my best piece of advice is just do something. Don't remain stagnant. Stop thinking about it. Don't overthink it. 
eventually, you know, you will gauge attraction from people. Yeah, that's awesome. That's some great advice there. You've also seen, you know, obviously significant growth in the past few years, resulting in you being recognized as a rising star and being a finalist for Young Gun of the Year in 2020. So how have you been able to grow or be recognized so quickly and, you know, early on in your career? What do you think that kind of like entails to? Early on, again, you know, just touching on the whole how I got my start with leads, you know, and, and reaching out to people when I didn't have anybody, really, I didn't have any clients. I focused on the things that I could control, and that was learning my product, knowing the ins and outs of underwriting, which is honestly an unfinished art. It's always a work in progress, but just mastering the technical skills and knowing how to service people. And when I kind of developed an understanding of what I wanted my servicing model to look like, how I wanted people to feel during their experience when I was working with them, I found that with every interaction, as few as it was in my first year, if I could just, pardon my language, if I could service the crap out of people, honestly, and just make them really like what it was I was doing for them with the knowledge, with the customer service, the communication, like everything that we know goes into being a mortgage agent or a mortgage broker. I knew they would come back and refer people. It just so happened that it happened at an accelerated rate and my business just kind of, you know, took off. I expected it to be a lot slower because when I started it was in and around when the stress test came into effect. So there was kind of like a, you know, a lull for the first few months. And I was like, crap, what's going on? Like, did I choose to become a full-time broker at the wrong time? Right, <laughs> you know? right. But eventually when things normalized, and again, I just focused on what I could control, the technicals, the service component, I found that the power of word of mouth referrals was a lot stronger than I thought it could be. And that honestly is where I built my business. 90% of the customers that I get today are repeat word of mouth, you know, people. Yeah. So you obviously you said timing and when you jumped in, it was, you know, the stress test time and it was you know, lovely time for everybody, but talking about timing. So the last two years have been a little bit hectic as well. So how has your business looked like over the last two years and how did you, you know, adapt to, you know, everything that was going on with COVID and restrictions and things like that? Well, I think it's no secret that the industry has done very well just because of where real estate has gone since the start of COVID. I mean, housing prices are ridiculous right now. I don't think list prices and valuations even mean anything just because the demand is so, so fierce compared to the available supply out there. But I would say that I was kind of, in terms of my business, I was functioning the same before COVID as I am right now. You know, I would never really meet people in person unless someone was very insistent. You know, I think that a lot of people believe that part of the transaction process is physically meeting the person that you're working with. But when you offer them the convenience of not having to leave their house and meet you, you know, in the city or somewhere outside the city, depending on where you're located, they'll actually like that. They're thinking, wow, I can actually transact this way and, you know, from the comfort of my own home. But, you know, I would still do video calls, phone calls. So you introduce and incorporate the human element to your practice. You know, people still want to know that they're dealing with a person at the end of the day. But I pretty much continued on the same way that I did. I just found that I was a lot busier just because of the sheer transaction volume again and demand for real estate in Toronto. I mean, that's my main market. I'm in the GTA, right. one of the major three in Canada. So how do you define service, especially when you're not meeting them, your clients like in person? 
So you need to get clients to understand why they've chosen you to begin with. The right. question I get asked all the time is why would I use you as a mortgage broker as opposed to going to my bank directly? And without going too deep into that, you know, that question, because there's a lot there. Sure. Um, one of the components of that is service. So you know, a banker or a financial advisor is working nine to five. That's what they're paid for. Sometimes you have to make yourself available beyond that time. You know, whether it's a client you're dealing with or a referral partner, you know, when you're in such a crazy market the way we are right now, when there's multiple bids on a property, you kind of have to be by your phone or your computer, you know, at the ready so that you can help facilitate that process and make sure someone actually lands, you know, a property. Otherwise, people might be spinning their wheels if they don't have access to you. Mm -hmm. That was one thing. It's being willing to work after hours and on weekends. Obviously, you know, don't be a slave to your career, but, you know, that's not what I'm suggesting here. Yeah. But just be available beyond, you know, someone's bank. Be better than the bank. The other piece to that is communication. You know, again, whenever someone reaches out to you, they have a question, whether they're a first-time buyer or otherwise. Someone that doesn't really understand the process, you got to be willing to educate, be willing to open yourself up to people, and make sure that you get back to people quickly. Even if you can't respond to something immediately, let someone know that you got their message and that you will be back to them shortly. People just want to be acknowledged and know that you're there to help them, right? And I found that that went a long way from a service perspective. Yeah, that's great. And I'm just wondering, do you have any sort of client story that you could share here today where, you know, you felt like you exceeded the client expectations? Definitely. I would say one of the more interesting examples that I had was I was dealing with an executive at a consulting firm who was in a pretty unique position of being paid whatever he wanted. He was negotiating new terms for an agreement. So as a result, he was looking to make a pretty big real estate acquisition. He said, Chris, if my salary is this, or it's this, or it's that, you know, what would I qualify for? How would that look? So of course, there's a near infinite possible set of scenarios and, you know, you could be spinning your wheels all day. So I actually created a spreadsheet that qualifies a client kind of like how the systems do that we use to do our job like the phylogics sure. dnhs of the world right basically built a spreadsheet where he could qualify himself although now i know that there's a ton of apps that do that so mm -hmm. i wasn't aware at the time so <laughs> i just you know i built a whole excel sheet around it but also he owns about 12 different properties and he was looking to make a large commercial acquisition so I also built another sort of spreadsheet with all of his properties to show him, you know, what his cash flow would look like, how refinancing and taking on some leverage through some of those residential pieces in his portfolio would affect his new acquisition and just kind of paired all of that together. And it took a lot of time, but Sounds I think like I really, it. yeah, <laughs> I think I really impressed him. And eventually, you know, we obviously ended up working together and I've had a lot of very good quality clients within his own space in the consulting and the banking and finance field that have been referred to me as a result. So I think suffice to say, I did a pretty good job. I don't think I've ever worked that hard on a transaction <laughs> before, but I was definitely glad that I did it. And that actually, oddly enough, was what spurred sort of the approach that I take now with clients is, you know, everyone has their own way of selling and communicating their value add. For me, it's the technicals. You know, I love strategizing and digging deep into the numbers with clients and not just working with first time home buyers, but also investors who are all about that. I thrive on that.
That's a great story, and it definitely shows that, you know, you went above and beyond where other people may <laughs> not have gone that far to create, you know, brand new Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So that's a fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. One of my last questions here is, you know, right now we're in a completely different era than we've seen before. We're seeing a lot of clients that are moving towards non-traditional income sources, internet influencers, whatever you want to call them, right? So I'm just wondering from your perspective, how are you planning or trying to adapt to, you know, servicing that market that we're starting to see who are falling into that BFS segment, but it's not the traditional pieces that we're used to seeing right now. So I would say from a marketing perspective, I actually have some content planned in the coming next few weeks for influencers. That was an area that, you know, I've actually thought about targeting. But in terms of servicing, I mean, the programs have always been there. I have a feeling that lenders are going to look to somewhat, maybe not completely overhaul their programs for self-employed folks, but definitely start introducing some different interesting programs out there. One specifically for people who are incorporated, right? right. Um, it's always tough to use you know, net income after taxes from someone's corp, you know, like any self-employed client, you know, everyone wants to write off as much as they can or pay themselves yeah. as little as they can, right, for tax purposes. And historically, you know, the government has told us you can't have your cake and eat it too. You either, you know, pay a slightly higher interest rate and save on taxes or, you know, the opposite. So back to answering your question, though, as far as marketing is concerned, just letting people know that there are alternative solutions out there is something that I'm planning to do more of and really doing case studies on that. That's something that I've also thought about introducing. You know, one I did very recently was, you know, when clients hear the term B lender, they think, ah, oh, I'm going to be paying, you know, a lender fee. I'm going to be paying this higher rate. That's not what I want to do. Well, right. when you break it down and see what kind of income taxes you would actually pay, let's call it 50%, you know, if you're in that bracket and you compare that to the interest that you'd be paying over the first, let's say, five years of your mortgage, and you even factor in a lender fee, you are ahead of the curve when you are working with a B lender, as opposed to, you know, throwing that money away to CRA. So again, when you show people the numbers and you actually do case studies, they kind of look at you and say, wow, I had no idea that, you know, there was this kind of disparity between an A and a B lender, you know, if I was or, or was not willing to pay, you know, more than my fair share of taxes, this actually makes a lot of sense. So that's definitely going to be one component of my marketing is just showing people the numbers. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's irrefutable. Like if you're showing someone that it definitely makes sense to consider an alternative program and consider your business, your retirement plan, you know, retain as much of your earnings as you possibly can, there's reasonability in doing that. So that's part of my plan of attack, so to speak. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there when you said that, you know, lenders are going to have to start relooking at, you know, how they qualify a business for self-individuals. And, you know, it's a, definitely a segment that's up and coming, and it's going to be very interesting to see how documentation looks, you know, the qualifications and things like that. But I'm also excited to, you know, see what you're going to start posting about it as well. So I'll be uh, on the lookout for that. Can't wait. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you've been a really great guest, a lot of insights here. And I just also want to say thank you for your continued support of Home Trust. You know, we truly value your partnership. Wishing you all the best in 2022 as well. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure, you know, especially when I get to see and chat with some of my former colleagues. Thanks so much. And I look forward to the next one. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Take care, guys. 
Thanks for joining us today for another great episode of I Love All Mortgages. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.